0: If you're familiar with any of the individual disciples, you're likely familiar with Peter considering the role he plays in many of the Gospel accounts and beyond. Whether it was walking on water, denying Jesus, fighting to defend Jesus, or challenging Jesus, Peter was bold, and it was his bold leadership that launched the church into existence and gave it direction during its infancy. How did he do it? Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the mentoring of Jesus. Jesus didn't choose Peter because he had it all together or because he stood out amongst all the others. He chose Peter because he saw potential in him that no one else could. And after three years of walking with Jesus, Peter was ready to lead the revolution that God intended to change the world forever. Well, hey, good morning. Uh, we are going to be taking um, registrations for anyone who wants to volunteer in our youth ministry after service today. You can see Alex if you want to go and play in the mud with him. I'm sure that uh, he would love to have you be a part of that, right? Good job on that video, Alex. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad we could get that up. And it kind of leads into a little bit of what we are talking about just right off the bat here this morning. As we dive into the, the, the sermon and this time of our service, I want you to think about what is the, the scariest the riskiest, riskiest, um, maybe the most adventurous thing that you have ever done. Like if you had to, to nail down on, on one or two things, what, what are some of the things that you would point to in your life? When I was a kid, some of my friends dared me to walk across the monkey bars. And I'm one who's always up for a good dare. And uh, so I went out there and I climbed up on them. And I made it about halfway through uh, before my foot slipped and I went through the bars cracking my chin on one of them and then thud, landing on the ground. That was the second time that I had stitches in my chin. Uh, the third time was a couple of years later. Uh, we were trying to see who could ride their bike the furthest without using their hands. And I was doing really good until I hit a manhole cover that just kind of threw my balance and my equilibrium all off. But fortunately, my chin was there to catch me as I fell. And uh, I remember we were doing a garage sale that morning and, and I was Like five houses down from from where I lived, and I went there. And mom, like, I heard you screaming from the time that it happened. I was like, Well, garage sale's done. Uh, I think we're gonna have to wrap up here and head to the emergency room. Uh, In middle school, one of my friends had a balcony on the second story of their home that overlooked the living room, and their parents, this is kind of their fault, put the couch right underneath. The balcony. And so one morning after we all spent the night there and parents went off to to work, we decided to see who was brave enough to jump off of that balcony onto the couch. And we learned a couple of things that morning. Uh, Number one, all of us were. And number two, a couch was not meant for a bunch of middle school boys jumping on it from a balcony. It broke. We got into a lot of trouble, but man, it was a lot of fun up until that point. Helen Keller once said that life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all. Life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all. And there are a lot of adults in our country that push that truth to uh, maybe a little bit past the point of what is wise. Uh, like, Like this guy he was probably dared by his buddies, like, hey, don't just jump off, don't just go off the slide, like, jump off of your roof. Every time I see that, I cringe because, like, the margin for error is so incredibly small. Um, that, that guy likes adventure. Or uh, this, this next guy, this is Rodrigo um, Kosha, Uh, He is part of a group that goes around the world looking for the largest waves that they can surf. They call them liquid mountains, and he recently, just last November, broke the world record with this wave right here. That is 80 feet tall. That is an eight-story building that he is surfing right now, and fortunately, he makes it to the shore alive um, because I heard that if you don't make it to the shore alive, then the record doesn't count. Like, they don't sorry you died, you don't get the record, uh, you, have to, you have to stick the, the landing evidently. <laughs> so, so most people in, in this world fall into one or two categories when it comes to adventure. Uh, they are either play it safers or they are risk takers. They're either play it safers or risk takers takers. And the older I get, the more that I start to fall into that play it safer's category, because I found that being a risk taker can hurt. <laughs> Sometimes it can really hurt. And, and, I, and we, we have scars that, that prove the pain that being a risk taker can, can cause. And, and chances are, you've probably got some scars uh, for taking risks too. And they may not be physical scars. Maybe your scars are emotional ones from deep wounds that uh, happened in your life when you stepped out and you took a risk. You, you took a, a leap to a new job that didn't quite work out. Maybe you moved to a new community and you just found yourself surrounded by loneliness. And you're like, I don't know that I can do this anymore. And that, that leap of faith has now caused you to kind of become even more of a play it safer in your life than what you once were. Maybe you were in a relationship that left you with a lot of scars and even more baggage to carry around. And all of these experiences in our life, they they cause most of us to drift more towards the play it safer side and away from being the risk taker. Because we don't want to end up in a place that we don't want to be. We don't want to end up in the emergency room. We don't want to go through that emotional pain again. And so we just kind of insulate ourselves from experiencing that pain. And I'm much more of a play it safer than I was a risk taker 20 years ago. And chances are, you probably are too. But when it comes to my faith, I don't want to be a play it safer. When it comes to my my faith, I don't want my girls to only see in me that we play it safe. We never take big, bold risks for Jesus. I want to be a risk taker. When it comes to evangelism, when it comes to the mission and the purpose of the church, I could not agree more with Helen Keller. Life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all. If you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, uh, open up with me to Matthew chapter 4. Verse 18, some people ask me, like, what is a Bible app that I might like to use? The YouVersion app is fantastic. If you're looking for a Bible, you don't want to carry one around, download the Uversion app. It's free. It's got all sorts of translations. Um, I use it every single day in my own personal devotion time, and uh, so you can download that and, and have it with you. But we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18, as we continue this series that we're in called The Revolution. And today we're going to be looking at the revolutionary relationship that Jesus invites us into. And uh, this past week uh, marked the the 20th anniversary of me being a follower of Jesus, and as I have reflected back on the last 20 years over the, the last week, I realized that following Jesus has absolutely been like the adventure of a lifetime. It has been incredible. Um, I, I became a Christian when I was 18, just out of high school right before I was going into college, and immediately my faith changed what my college plans were. I, I I realized that like if Jesus is going to be my Lord and my Savior, I get the Savior part because I know what I need to be saved from. Like I'm very well aware of my sins. Uh, but, but this whole leader and Lord of my life, I'm not really sure what that is. But I, I have a feeling that my college plans that I had laid out before Jesus was the Lord of my life probably weren't his. But, but just to make sure, let's, let's see. And, and so I went to Bible college thinking it was just going to be for a year. And I was going to go back to what I wanted to do. But the Lord just had me there. Maybe you've heard me say this story before. When I became a Christian, I said, Lord, I will do whatever you want. I will go wherever you want me to go. Just please, Lord, don't make me a preacher or a youth minister or a missionary. I will do anything you want me to do other than than that. And uh, I imagine that God just kind of laughed at that. Um, And when I look back, I realize that not only has my faith put me in a right relationship with God, but some of the the my favorite memories some of my closest relationships are all because of faith in Jesus he he set me out just as he does you he sets us out to be a part of what he is doing to redeem and restore this world back to himself and so faith has taken me to places like liberia where i got to serve at an orphanage for a couple of weeks that was devastated Um, by rebels who came in during the Sierra Leone diamond trade and the Civil War that rocked Liberia. And when they left the place, they torched it, and we went there to, to just give hope to these children who end up giving so much more hope to us, children who had seen their parents and their grandparents killed right in front of them, and yet still had Jesus that they were hanging on to. Faith has taken me to places like Mozambique and Haiti and Honduras. It's faith that led us out to Rhode Island. It's faith that led us right here to Bedford, Indiana. And because of following Jesus, I look and I I realize, like, I met my wife because of that. Because we followed Jesus, we became foster parents, and we would later go on to adopt our oldest daughter, Adeline, which I cannot imagine life without that little girl. I realize that the best things in my life, from relationships to memories, are all a direct result of the faith adventure that I've been on with Jesus over the last 20 years. But for most people, adventure is not the first word that comes to mind when they think about following Jesus. It's not. If anything, they think I've got to get all of my adventure out of the way before I settle down and become a Christian. Before I settle down and I begin really, you know, taking my faith Seriously, i got to get all that out of my system. And it breaks my heart that, that so many people I talk to, when they think about a relationship with Jesus, the word that comes to mind are things like boring and mundane and repetitious, anything but adventurous, anything but revolutionary. I think that's the kind of relationship that Jesus has invited us into. It is a relationship that not only changes our life, but it changes the lives of others too. Jesus invites us to take our hands off of the bar, to throw our arms up in the air, to throw caution to the wind, and to join him in the thrill of a lifetime. Look at our text with me. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. Matthew says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. There's three words that jump out to me in this passage. I don't know if you've noticed them too. Those of you who maybe play it more towards the the play it safer category, you may have noticed them because they don't make sense. The three words are this, at once and immediately. At once and immediately. Peter and his brother Andrew at once left. James and his brother John immediately dropped their nets and started following Jesus. And these four men said yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. But before they said yes, they had calculated the cost. They had had processed two important realities of their decisions. And, And those realities are, number one, the call, and number two, the cost. The call and the cost. See, anytime that Jesus invites us into a relationship with him, he is inviting us to do two things. He's inviting us to walk away from something or someone, and he's inviting us to walk to something. The call is Jesus' invitation to walk towards something. The cost is Jesus' invitation to walk away from something. And and for all of us who are followers of Jesus, this is a lifelong cycle that Jesus is calling us into. It is not just the point of conversion. It is a continuous cycle of Jesus calling us to something and calling us away from something. It never goes away because he is constantly inviting us into a deeper relationship with him, into a deeper level of trust. Are you guys with me? I see a lot of sleepy eyes this morning. I understand it. It's a heavy topic that we're talking about here. I want to make sure you're with me because this is so important. He is calling us away from something, and he's calling us to himself so that we can be in a deeper relationship with him. So let's first look at the, the, the call Jesus tells Peter and Andrew, come follow me and I'm going to send you out to fish for people. Essentially what he's saying is come follow me and I will teach you how to love people like they have never been loved before. I will teach you how to love people like you have never loved people before. I'm going to stretch the boundaries of your love and your grace further than what they have ever been stretched before. He invited them into this revolutionary relationship with Jesus. And over the next three years, Jesus would model how to live this kind of love and grace out. And so you read through the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And a couple of things that you're going to notice are, number one, you'll notice that the disciples really struggled to get this kind of love right, just like you and I struggle with that every single day. They struggled with it because they were real people. They were learning along the way, just like we are. But the second thing that you're going to see is you're going to notice a couple of trends about who Jesus spends his time with and how he spent that time. First of all, Jesus had 10 encounters with people in the temple and synagogues. And so the places of, of worship and prayer, Jesus had 10 encounters with people in these places of religious activity. And do you know what the common theme is? In these interactions, they're contentious. They're contentious. Jesus is calling them out. He goes into these places of worship and prayer and he would confront the religious people about their legalism. He would confront them about their judgmental attitude and how they had lost God's heart for hurting people. Jesus saved his most Scathing criticism, not for those who society deemed as sinners, but for those who thought that they had it all together and had God figured out. Those are the ones that Jesus called to the carpet. Leads to the second trend. Jesus had 120 encounters with people in other places. Jesus met people in their homes and in their businesses. He met them on roads and on sides of mountains and on shores of lakes. And all of those 120 encounters, the common theme is this. Jesus helped hurting people. Jesus helped hurting people. He did not turn his back on them. He did not give a judgmental glance towards them. He stepped into their mess, and he helped them. He helped blind people and dead people. He helped lepers and prostitutes, men, women, and children. It did not matter who they were or where they were from. Jesus said very clearly that his mission was this, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I'm telling you, if you're a religious person and you think you're no longer sick, man, you're probably more sick than what you realize. Because we all need Jesus, that spiritual physician in our life. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. He says, I have come not to call those who think they are religious, but those who know they are sinners. And so when Jesus touches a leper, he's saying, your value is not in the condition of your skin. When when Jesus um, eats with prostitutes, he was saying, your value is not in your occupation In the eyes of Jesus, the condition of a person's life did not determine their value or their worth, and he invited them, just as he does you, into a revolutionary relationship with him, into a relationship that should change absolutely everything, not just what we do on Sunday mornings. I think that's why these four fishermen, I think that's why... Thousands of people still today follow Jesus. He has given our lives value and worth in ways that we had never experienced before. And he's sending us out to show that same value to others, to find joy in their company, and to invite them to join us in this Adventurous relationship with the one who knows them fully, just as he knows us, and yet loves us just the same. That's the relationship that Jesus has called us into. But he also came with a cost. And for these four, it meant leaving behind everything that they knew, leaving behind their families, their homes, their business. James and John, literally left their father sitting in the boat. Like I just try to imagine this situation as someone who's looking on the hillside at this. Jesus walks by and I see these guys getting up out of their boats and I just imagine James and John's dad holding the net, looking up going, where, where are you going? What are you doing? We're working. They left everything at once immediately to follow him. And it cost them It cost them their security and their comfort. They calculated the cost and despite the result, they chose to follow Jesus. Because, don't miss this, what Jesus calls us to is far greater than anything Jesus calls us from. What Jesus calls us to is far greater than anything that Jesus calls us from. So in light of what we've talked about today, I've got a couple of questions for you, and you probably already know what they are. Question number one. What is Jesus calling you from in order to experience a deeper relationship with him? If you have a bulletin, if you have a pen in front of you, maybe even just jot that down. If you're taking notes, write that down. What is Jesus calling you from in order to draw you into a deeper relationship with him. Is it a toxic relationship that you're in? Is it an addiction? Is he calling you away from a legalistic faith built on trying to earn God's love and approval with your good works or maybe a judgmental attitude that looks down upon others that you feel aren't as righteous as you? Maybe Jesus is calling you away from the worry that is eating you up inside worry about your future, worry about your family, worry about your health. Maybe he's calling you to get out of bed 15 minutes earlier in order to spend some time with him in the word. Maybe he's calling you away from your phone or from Facebook. Whatever Jesus is calling you away from today, my guess is that you already know what it is. You know what it is. Promise you, as hard as it may seem to leave that behind, what Jesus is calling you to is far greater than what he is calling you from. Which leads to the second question. What is Jesus calling you to in order to experience a deeper relationship with him? Is he calling you to take your first step of faith and placing your trust in him for your salvation and getting baptized? Maybe he's calling you to your next step of faith, to serve or to connect with others in community in a life group. Maybe he's calling you to be more engaged with your one life or to find a one life. Find someone in your life who is not yet a follower of Jesus that you're intentionally developing a friendship with and pouring yourself into. Maybe he's calling you to have a faith conversation with your coworker or to confess a sin habit to a trusted friend and repent. Maybe he's calling you to do something so radical that for the words to even come off of your lips just seems like foolishness. Whatever he's calling you to, I'm telling you, it's because he wants to invite you into a deeper relationship with him. A relationship that will not only revolutionize your life, but the lives of those around you as well. And I know, I know that the draw to be a play it safer in our faith, instead of a risk taker, is is pretty heavy. I know this because I felt it in my own life, but I also know this because I see it all over in scripture. As these early followers of Jesus were trying to figure this out, trying to, to figure out what it means to have this bold faith that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Fast forward three years And these men who once dropped everything at once and immediately, these these men found themselves right back on the fishing boat, doing what they knew, doing what was comfortable, doing what was safe. Just a few days after Jesus' crucifixion, I, I imagine they looked at themselves and were like, what do we do now? I don't know. Let's go fish. And so they went back to what was known And to be honest, I've done the same thing in my life. Maybe you have too. I've done the same thing because there have been times where the call and the cost just seemed too great, and so I went running back to what I knew, what was familiar. Well, Jesus is constantly calling me to get out of the boat, to trust him more. And so right here in this scene, as the disciples are, are back fishing, the resurrected Jesus is walking across the shore. And he hollers out to these fishermen who had been fishing all night. And he says something kind of foolish. He says, hey, why don't you try casting your nets on the other side of the boat? Which, it's like, okay, there's no fish on this side, but there's gonna be a lot of fish on this side. All right, whatever. But they had been unsuccessful all night. And so they're like, yeah, why not? They threw it over. And immediately they started catching more fish than what their boats could hold. And Peter looked at the person on the beach, and he realized it's Jesus. And this man, who had denied even knowing Jesus just a few days earlier, stripped down to his undies, jumped into the water, and swam to the shore as quickly as he possibly could. And as he was sitting there having breakfast with Jesus, the account in John 21, it goes like this. They're sharing a breakfast of fish around the fire. And I imagine that Jesus, I don't know if this is how it happened, but this is how I like to imagine it in my mind. I imagine that Jesus looked down at the fish that he was eating with his friends and he called out Peter in particular. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And in that moment, I don't imagine that Jesus was pointing to the other disciples and saying, do you love me more than all these other guys do? I think what Jesus did is he pointed down to the fish and he said, do you love me more than these fish? And Peter says, well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know what Jesus says? He says, feed my sheep. Three times they have this interaction. And three times Jesus says, Peter, I've got a new job for you. You're no longer a fisherman. You're a shepherd. And that moment on the beach... It's an incredible moment of grace that Peter, who who had fumbled around for so much of his his ministry and so much of his following Jesus, oftentimes would stick his foot right in his mouth just like I've done many times before. Peter, who had literally just for his own safety as a play it safer said, I don't even know the guy. I don't even know Jesus. Jesus is now telling him, I've got big plans for you. Got big plans. The call is to continue to follow me, and the cost is everything you've ever known and everything that was ever safe. But what we see is that Peter stepped up to the call. God would use him to go on and plant the first church and change the world. So, what is Jesus asking you today? Do you love me more than these, whatever that is? Are you willing? Are you willing? to pay the cost, to lay that down, and to answer the call to follow. Jesus is calling us out of the mundane and into an adventure. He's calling us out of religion and into a revolutionary relationship with him. And my question today is, will you answer that call? Would you stand with me as we pray? God, thank you for your love that beckons us, that gently calls us to you. And I know, Lord, there's been times in my life where sometimes that that call has been gentle and soft and sweet, and sometimes it's been like a two-by-four upside the head. But Lord, you've always done that uh, because you have desired for me to trust you more, to lay more of myself down at the cross and take up more of the adventurous relationship with you. Lord, forgive us for those times that we have settled for the mundane. Forgive us for those times when we've wanted to play it safe in our faith and we have went running back to what was known and familiar and safe. But God, I am also incredibly grateful for that in those moments, we didn't wreck your plan. You're not looking at that going, oh no, that completely caught me off guard. What am I going to do now? But God, in the moment where we are, even today, right now, even if it's not where we want to be or where we thought we would be, in this moment here, right now, God, you, you still call us into a deeper relationship with you. You still invite us to trust you more and you still want to use us where we are. So God, thank you that you are a God of grace in mercy. Thank you that you are a God who calls us into the adventure of a lifetime in following Jesus. May we be a church that models that and filled with people who are living it. I pray it in Jesus' name.